Amen. All right. Awesome. Let's go for it. Uh, for a long time, the church has had either a separatist mindset or a uh, wait-to-get-rescued mindset for a long time. So a separatist mindset in that we have to remove ourselves from the world uh, and hide in our little Christian church bubbles and, uh, and we just hide and we, you know, we, we're separatists. And yes, we have been plucked out of the world, but we've been plucked out of the world so that we would go back into the world and transform the world. Right, so that's that's the that's the whole purpose of Jesus coming to Earth was to illustrate, demonstrate, and model what His world is like, and and then there's been this whole mindset for a long time of uh, I, I I'm just waiting one day. Thank God I'm saved, but the world's going to hell in a handbasket, and one day I'll be rescued out of here. And as opposed to the prayer that Jesus taught you and I to pray, and the only thing that the disciples actually asked of Jesus was to teach them how to pray, was your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is there. Right? That's the prayer that he taught us to pray. So guess what? If he taught us to pray that prayer, he has the resources, the power, the strategy, the insight to actually see that thing come. Yeah? And so here, we're gonna, I, I, I'm going to start a bit of a, a, a study and a, a thing on the king and his kingdom because I really believe that we, we don't just uh, add this into our theology and kind of bring it in, but this is what Jesus has actually commissioned you and I to see happen in our lifetime and beyond our lifetime, that the kingdom of God would come here as it is there, all right? And we're going to just see how he does it because he's a genius. All right, so Daniel 2, 31, are you there? All right, you saw a king and behold a great image. So Daniel is interpreting a dream that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had. He saw a great image. This image is mighty and of exceeding brightness stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle, thigh, its middle and thigh of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron, partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Verse uh, 35. Then the iron and the clay and the bronze and the silver and the gold all together were broken in pieces and became like the chaff of the summer of the threshing floors and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the earth. Right? There, so Daniel not only tells Nebuchadnezzar the dream that he has. So it's like me coming to Sam and saying, hey, Sam, I had a dream. Sam goes... I know the dream you had. This is the dream. And then he tells it. That's what happened, right? That's pretty accurate, right? Then he says, now I'm going to tell you the interpretation, right? So here he tells the interpretation. You, O king of the kings, you, O king, the king of kings, interesting language, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory and into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell 
the children of man, the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them, all uh, them all. You are the head of the gold and another king. So here he says, you are the head of gold. Who is he talking to? Nebuchadnezzar. All right, where's Nebuchadnezzar from? Babylon. Awesome. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you. All right, that's the Persian or the Medianite kingdom that came after Babylon that it's talking about. And there shall be a... Uh, sorry, I've jumped ahead. And yet a third kingdom of bronze, right, shall come. That was the Greek kingdom, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks the pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And you, as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron, partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong, partly brittle. Just pause right there. Um, the Roman kingdom came after that and in that time and they had, in, in the days of Jesus, there was 10 provinces or 10 kings or 10 kingdoms that were there, toes. And they were intermarrying into other gods, so it became frail. And they were bringing in other religions, other gods, other things were coming in. They were mixing with, when, uh, verse 43, as you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they were mixed with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, so in the days of those kings, which kings? The Romans, right? The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all those kingdoms and bring them to an end. The Persian, Babylonian, Medianite, Roman kingdoms are no longer. And it shall stand forever, just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation sure. I love Daniel. The dream is certain, the interpretation sure. There you go, have it. You know, he's just so confident, right? Think with me. Hopefully over the next few weeks and months, we'll be able to see that the narrative of the Bible is not you going to heaven. The narrative of the Bible is heaven colliding with earth. That is the narrative of Scripture. When you, when you uh, unpack from Genesis to Revelation, you unpack the Scriptures, it's always heaven coming down. The, when, the Tower of Babel, when they tried to go there, it didn't work out well for them. We are going to go to heaven one day. Don't worry. That's, <laughs> that's not what I'm saying. But here, he says, there was a stone cut out of the mountain, not made of human hands. So you have a mountain that is of earth, and you have a stone that is not made of human hands. Who might that be talking about? That's Jesus. 
Jesus is the stone, not made of human hands. He is divinely God and divinely of earth. He is the perfect representation of collision of heaven on earth, is Jesus. He is the fulfillment of this. In those days, there'll be a stone not made of human hands, cut out of the mountain. What does it say in Isaiah 9? Of the increase of his government. It says, in the last days, they will stream to the mountain of the house of the Lord. And of the increase of his government, there will be no end. So the kingdom of God, there is no end. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed that gets planted, becomes the biggest tree. Woo! That's good. Right? Turn with me to John 14. So here we have Daniel prophesying that in those days, God is going to set up a kingdom, which is why so many of the religious leaders thought that he is going to come in military might, that he's going to come and overthrow Rome, he's going to come and defeat the Roman Empire, and he's going to set up a, a te- you know, his temple, he's going to sit on the throne, and he's going to establish and rule as a king, and we're going to be his soldiers. And he was like, hey, that's just not how I'm going to set it up. That's just not how I'm going to do it. So here we have John 14. Let's read verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. Pause right there. That word rooms is the word mansion or the word dwelling place or the word abode. Right? So in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. All right, this is where a lot of people get there. They're like, oh, Jesus is coming just to snatch us out of hell and darkness and he's going to take us and rescue us. Well, guess what? The moment you got born again, you didn't get snatched into heaven. You're still here right? (laughs) Surprise. It's like you got born again. You're fully saved. You're fully in the kingdom. You're fully redeemed. You're fully holy. You're you're righteous. You're in right standing with God. And, but he's like, all right, you're still on planet earth. So here he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you where you will come and I will bring me to you. And then he goes on and Thomas, I'm not, we don't have time. So Thomas said to him, you know, Lord, show us the father if you've, and Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he says, greater works will you do, in verse 12, he says, greater works will you do when I go to be with the Father. Right? This is good. This is like, you, this should get you jacked up and excited because Jesus is saying, hey, the works that, he says, if you believe, don't just believe in my words, but if you don't believe that, believe my works. He says, I'm telling you about the king and his kingdom, but if you don't believe me about my words, believe what I've just shown you. What did he show people? He sat with sinners and prostitutes because in his world, sinners and prostitutes don't affect him. He affects them. In the Old Testament, you touch leprosy, you get leprosy. In the New Testament, in the kingdom of God, you touch leprosy, leprosy gets healed. He showed people there was Lazarus who was dead and he, he rose him from the dead. Lazarus died again after that. So why did he heal him? Because in his world, he died prematurely. 
He healed blind people because in his world, in his realm, people can see clearly. Yet in his realm, he still has holes in his hands. Why? Because there's a man on the throne. He's fully man. There's a man in the Trinity. Don't stone me. That's the gospel. Why? Because heaven and earth collided. The man, cut, the, the natural man, cut out, not made of human hands, set up a kingdom. Yes, he's fully God, but he's a man. Born of a virgin. That's bonkers. That's not how I would do it. <laughs> right? Everything that he did, he was showing humanity, this is what my world is like. In my world, a good love offering is a boy's lunch. You need multiple, multiple things, people fed? Here, just give me the boy's lunch. I can take that, give thanks, and distribute it to 5,000 people and have leftovers. It's awesome. Shen and I have seen the multiplication of food. When, when, we're, when we're in America, we saw it. We, had, we were feeding 500 people, and there was like four chickens left, four roast chickens. And there was probably 250 people that needed to be fed. We bust in about 500 homeless people, or maybe it was more, maybe it was 1,000, I think it was 1,000. Bust in 1,000 homeless people, we put on a Thanksgiving dinner for them. It was epic. Chris Overstreet, what a name for an evangelist, eh? Overstreet. Preached the gospel. People got saved and we did this beautiful feast and all these volunteers and it was epic. Such an awesome day. And I remember Shannon and I were in the kitchen. We were serving. We were just helping run out plates. And the chef came to us. He says, I've got four chickens left. All you volunteers, you don't get fed today. And we're like, all right, no worries. Yes. And we're just, all right, let's pray. We pray. Let's pray for the, the multiplication of chickens. I think it was chickens or, or, or dark, I don't know, whatever it was. Anyway, there's four left. There's like 250 people that need food, right? And we run out. We grab the plates. We hand it to the table. Oh, bless you guys. We come back into the kitchen, right? We grab more plates. We're coming out. There was more than enough. We had leftovers. All the volunteers got fed. We just kept coming back in, and there's just more chickens. Just keep coming out. I don't know where they were coming from, <laughs> right? They tasted like KFC. No, they didn't. In his realm, there's enough. In his, he, he, everything that he did, he modeled, he demonstrated to show, this is what my world is like. Here, right, keep going with me, John 14. So he says, greater works will you do. Then he verse uh, 15, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he'll give you another helper. The word is parakletos, a helper. To be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. All right. Then he goes on. He says, I will not leave you as, as orphans. I'm going to come. And then he says this in verse, jump down with me to verse 22. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? 
Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come and make our abode, our home, our mansion with him. That's the word. I want you to picture this. Jesus in John 14, 15, and 16, and we don't have time, but Jesus in John 14, he begins, he says, Hey, listen. I'm going to go and prepare a place, a mansion, a dwelling place, an abode for you. It's better that I go. Why? Because when I go, the parakletos, the helper, the same one as me, will come and will make his dwelling place, his home, his mansion in you. He's, he, and then in, what do we know in John 7, 37, he says, he starts to talk of this and he says, I'm going to go, but he says, you're going to receive the spirit. And it says, the spirit that you will receive, he says, uh, actually, let's just read it so I don't misquote it wrongly, but I want you guys to see this for yourself. John 7, 37. I know I'm talking quick, but that's just how we're rolling this morning. All right, John 7, 37. On the last day, the feast of the great day, Jesus stood up, cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Just pause right there. Anyone that says the heart is deceitfully and wicked above all things, the new covenant heart, out of it flows rivers of living water. Your heart was deceitful and wicked above all things, but guess what? Jesus gave you a new heart, a heart to know him. And now out of that heart flows rivers of living water. Praise the Lord, right? Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were, not, were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not yet been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. So here, John 14, he, he starts to unpack this and he says, I'm going to go and prepare a place, a mansion for you. Then he goes to be with the Father when he dies. In John, uh, Ephesians 1, 3, it says, You and I are seated where? In heavenly places in Christ. Right? But then he says, I'm going to come and make my home inside of you. I'd like to propose that Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. The place I'm going to go to prepare, I'm going to come and the Holy Spirit will actually come and take the kingdom of God and put it inside of you. What does Romans 14, 17 say? We read it last week with Fred. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but what? Righteousness, peace and joy. Where is it? In the Holy Spirit. John 16, later on, he says in John 16, he's, he then, John 15, he says, I am the vine. If you abide in me and your words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Squeeze a lemon, what do you get? Lemon juice. Squeeze a Christian, what do you get? Lemonade, hopefully not. <laughs> That's something else. <laughs> I'm not talking about dominionism. I'm talking about that you and I have the kingdom of God in you. You are living under an open heaven everywhere you walk. You don't have to beg God to come. 
You don't have to twist his arm to do something. I love what Fred shared in, in, uh, in, in our ministry school night, how they prayed for a year to go into this drug-infested area, infected area, and, and they prayed, God, give us an opportunity to go for one year. God eventually said, hey, guess what, Fred? Today's the day. Why don't you just stop praying and go? <laughs> Sometimes we're like, hey, God, I pray that I would feel led. And that's, there's a time for that, and I understand that. But why don't you just put some fish sinkers in your pocket and then feel led and then just go and do it? Put a grey lead in there, snap it in half, and just carry it around in your pocket so you can feel led every time you want to know the Lord to do something. Because why? Because sometimes there's the A, like God's like, do this. Yes, but other times he's waiting for you to step out of the boat. Then he's like, I'll back you up in faith. He'll back you up because you've got the kingdom of God in you. And it's going to flow out of you like rivers of living water. Right? So when you lay hands on the sick, he just said lay hands. He didn't say pray. You can lay hands on the sick. I remember the first time I prayed for someone out in public was this atheist guy who was... uh, uh, sorry, he was a Satan worshipper. I didn't know this, but he was injured in Eastland. He was hobbling, and I'm like, hey, bro, what have you done? Can I pray for you? He said, don't touch me. I'm a Satanist. So I'm like, awesome. Let me wrap my arms around you and help you to get crutches, right? Because in, all the whole time, that, I don't know if he got healed or not, but the whole time that, I'm, that I was hugging him, I'm just going, God, I'm laying hands on the sick. And I'm just believing that you're going to flow through me and out of me because of the rivers of living water. Because the kingdom of God is, a, is being set up through you and I. The kingdom of God is being set up through you and I. That's why Ephesians, it's equip the saints for the work of ministry. It's not equip the professionals. It's equip you, me, everyone to be a minister of the gospel in your workplace, in your family, in your household, in, in when you're down at the, str- the supermarket, that you carry an open heaven. The first time the house of God is mentioned in Scripture is Jacob on the side of a hill lying on a rock and he awakes and he says, God's here and I didn't even realize it. This is none other than the house of God, Bethel. I want you to think with me. The stone is cut out of the mountain, not made of human hands. Then Jesus says, and the Bible teaches, that you and I are living stones being built together to make what? The house of God. The temple of God. Come on. You're a living stone. You're the stone on the side of a mountain open heaven over you and you're being built together as a body to bring the kingdom of God here there's so much talk in our world right now about wineskins the new wineskin is you you're the new wineskin I believe in structures. I believe in God's design. But you're the wineskin that he deposited his spirit in. You're the wineskin that has the ability and the promise of God to contain the wine. 
Because he said, what in Acts 2, he poured out his spirit upon all flesh. So what happened on that day? That was the promise of John 14 and John 16. The spirit being poured out because he has ascended and now the spirit of God can be poured out. Because now you have a resurrected spirit living on the, in the inside of you. Now he can come and make his home in you because he'd gone to prepare a place for you. All right, two more scriptures. Go with me to Philippians 2. Philippians 2 verse 9 says this, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. Wow. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ, it says, that's the verse where it says, he became a man, a thing to be grasped. And then he says, every knee will bow. Where? In heaven and on earth and under earth. Jesus is Lord of the first heaven, second heaven and third heaven and under the earth. Come on. Right? <laughs> Ephesians 1, 9. Sorry, two more, two more, I lied. Two more verses. Now, two more verses. <laughs> Ephesians 1, 9. Go with me there really quick. We're nearly done. Listen to this. This is, this is a doozy. This got me the other day. Making known to us the insight Sorry, making known to us the mystery of his will. Just pause. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. How? You and I. Ephesians 1.9, he says, making known to us the mystery of his will. The mystery of his will has been revealed. The will of God isn't hard to understand. Come on. All right, some of you not sure about that. Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to, to unite things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Wow, he's uniting heaven and earth together. Go with me to Matthew 3. This is the last verse. Where was the veil torn, top to bottom or bottom to top? Heaven down. Could Jesus have sat on his throne and just done it all from heaven? Absolutely. Did Adam go to heaven to walk in the cool of the day or did God come to Adam and walk in the cool of the day? Adam walked with God. That, mean, that word is, in the cool of the day, is the ruach of God. Adam walked in the ruach of God with God. Wow. 
Verse 13, Matthew 3. Then Jesus came from Galilee to Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now for thus it is fulfilling to fulfill for us, fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he can... Then he consented, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up out from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Jesus comes. John says, I, don't, you, I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus says, No, let it be that this is to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus hadn't sinned, but what's he doing? He's modeling the way into the kingdom of heaven is baptism of repentance, coming up out of the water as a new creation. Then the Holy Spirit comes upon you and remains in you, the home that is made in you, and that fulfills all righteousness, right? He's saying that, that fulfills all righteousness. Do you know he doesn't preach about the kingdom of God and has no disciples until that point? From that moment on, he goes into the wilderness, comes out of the wilderness in Holy Spirit and in power, and then he goes and preaches. It says, from this time forth, Jesus preached the kingdom of God. Why? Because you don't preach the kingdom of God when you are going to fulfill all righteousness. You preach it after you've received the Holy Spirit. And you don't have disciples before that because disciples don't follow you to the law and fulfill the law, disciples follow you in the kingdom of God. That's why Moses isn't in the promised land. That's another, I just opened up a can of worms. Anyway. You are salt, you are light, and you are leaven inside of your families, inside of your workplaces, inside of your businesses, inside of your shopping centers, inside of your, there are, uh, there are strategy, your schools, there are strategies and insights and mysteries in the heavenlies that God is wanting to transition the bride from waiting to be rescued one day to commissioning you to go and leak the kingdom of God into every area of your life. That when you go, when you, the most mundane circumstances, you're like, hey, I have an open heaven over me. I, the heaven of God has been rendered, opened, right? And you now are a gate of heaven. That's what the Bible teaches us, that we're a gate. We have been commissioned with the kingdom of God inside of you, Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That it's like a river, though. That means you need to unplug the, the plug in the bathtub. The faucet's on, full bore, 24-7. But if we don't unplug the bath plug, it's a bathtub, not a river. And the more you drink in the natural the more you leak.
I don't think Peter had a shadow healing ministry class. Like Jesus never taught on shadow healing. He never taught on handkerchief healing either. He never taught on laying your body over a dead man, you know, flat, like Paul did. Matthew 28 says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I've taught you. Well, what did he teach his disciples to do? Heal the sick, raise the dead, preach the gospel, come in demonstration of power. Teach people that the kingdom of God has come nigh unto thee. It can't be just good theology. It has to be a life that demonstrates and illustrates and that we change our perspective from, oh, the world's getting worse and it's, there's so much darkness. No, you are the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world, but he said, now that I'm gone, you're the light of the world. You're a living stone. You're an epistle read by all men to go into darkness, to go into the problems of this world and say, hey, guess what? Right now, I live in Lilydale, I live in Murrabark, and because I'm here, this city should look better because one and God is the majority. I, I live, I, uh, right now, I'm in my family situation and there's this terrible thing going on in the situation. I'm, I'm the only believer in my family. Whatever it is, you go, all right. I'm going to get brothers and sisters around me, but I carry the kingdom of God within me. And so everywhere that I go, the kingdom of God follows me. He never leaves you. You're stuck with him, right? <laughs> and so that's good news because then you go, all right, I'm drinking of the Lord. The faucet's on and I open my mouth and I drink of the Lord. And then I go, all right, how am I going to leak out the kingdom of God everywhere that I go? How can I leak out? How can I be more generous then how can I look different to the world so the world will want what I've got? So they'll see me, they've seen the Father. All right, why don't you stand? Whitfield and Wesley, who knows about them? George Whitfield, John Wesley. They had a great rivalry in their day and they had different theology standpoints. And they had such a mutual love for one another. And... John Wesley was asked about, will we see George Whitfield in heaven? And John Wesley said, no, you won't. He'll be much closer to the throne than you. <laughs> and then George Whitfield was asked, will, what do you think about John Wesley's ministry? And George Whitfield said, my disciples, meaning George Whitfield's disciples, are like a sand of rope. But George, uh, John Wesley's disciples will last the test of time. 
because he'd actually, he was one of the first people in our kind of, you know, the last few hundred years to really understand this thing of being salt, light and leaven inside of the system of the world. He started Christian schools. He got Christian educators inside of the world because he knew if I can get one Christian inside of the world, a believing believer inside of a system, they can be the dominant force in the sense of light. Now, obviously, we have still the Wesleyan Church and Methodist Church, and sadly, there's been a lot of stuff that isn't great anymore. But regardless, John Wesley's ministry lasted centuries, decades, years. And I believe one of the principles of that is because he understood that as believers, we're not just called to be in our separatist huddles, but we're actually meant to be salt, light and leaven in a system to love them into the kingdom of God. And that the kingdom of God, and it's through you, it's through you as the living stone. And that that's over every area. That's how we live our life. That's how we deal with our finances. That's how we treat people. That's how we speak about people behind closed doors. That's how everything in our life should look like the kingdom. That I really believe if we grow, I believe the Lord is inviting us into this. And I believe if we position our hearts to say, hey, we're not just going to add this into our our lives, we're actually going to make our lives all about leaking the kingdom and seeing the kingdom of God come here as it is there, then we look for circumstances that don't look like there and we say, hey, maybe I've been commissioned to change it. What did he say? Bind there what is bound, bind here what is bound there. Loose here what is loose there. Okay, there's a circumstance in our life going on here. That doesn't look like heaven, and it needs to. Then you start to get the compassion and the heart of the Father to see a city, a region, an individual, a family, a business, an area changed because you're like, hey, I'm here, and the kingdom of God can come through me. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much for a baptism of your love today. I thank you, Father, for your kingdom to come, your will to be done. Thank you that you've revealed the will of God to us. The mystery has been revealed. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. I pray right now that the kingdom of God would advance. That the, 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 the Matthew 16, that we would violently take hold of the kingdom of God, that, that we would grab it, that we would go and make disciples, that we would go and preach the kingdom, that we would go and release the kingdom of God everywhere that we go, in every area that we are a part of, that we are the living stones, that you would show us clearly who we are, who you are, so we can release it to the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.